but we are finishing up our portion this week uh, of our sermon series called I Am. Um, we've been taking a look the last couple of weeks at um, anytime Jesus says in scripture that he is the I Am, he said, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world, I am those things. Um, that, those aren't just statements, those are actually attributes that we can access. So when he says that I am the good shepherd, that means that there's something in that that should matter to us because he's our good shepherd and he leads us. And so when he speaks of those types of statements, it's because they matter for our life. And so um, today, obviously, Resurrection Sunday, and um, he's alive and he's out of the tomb and that matters for us. And so because he's the great I am, because he's conquered death, hell, and the grave, that matters to us. And so we're going to take a look at what does it mean? What does the cross mean? What does all this mean for me today as he's the great I am? And so the title of my sermon this morning is The God who knows what it's like, the God who knows what it's like. He said uh, in scripture that I am the way. He said that I am the way. And so following Christ, being a Christ follower is the way. Uh, we have all of these, uh, these books that sort of teach us about, um, you know, your best way to live and leadership books, you know, they go online and, and they, they just jump right up to bestsellers. And uh, all of this stuff we have, um, to make ourselves better and to find the way and find the best way to do it. But Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I'm the way. His way is the way. Actually, uh, the Jewish, uh, if you grew up sort of in Jesus' time and you went to the synagogue the way that he did and was raised the way that he was, um, they believed that the teachings, the Torah, uh, is the way, the way that God instructed it. These scriptures, this is the way to talk about it. You know, it's got all these rules. It's got all these restrictions and trying to take all the fun out of your life. We'll actually talk about it in a minute. But the truth is about scripture, there's more promises and benefits and upgrades for your life if you follow scripture than if you didn't. Uh, there's more promises and inheritance for you than there is rules. Somebody say that's good. So we're going to take a look at what it means for the God who is the way to be the God who knows what it's like. The God who knows what it's like. Um, I thought about it like this. Um, for God to be the God who knows what it's like, um, you have to kind of strip everything back to Genesis. We got to look at the beginning. So if we serve a God who understands uh, what it's like to live or what it's like to be successful or to live the best life, we have to look back at the beginning. Genesis is the beginning. Not only is it the beginning of the scripture, but it means the beginning, Genesis. And so we got to take a look at how everything was laid out. And so the beginning kind of tips us off on something. In Genesis, you go throughout the scripture in Genesis 1 where God says, I made the trees and those were good and I made the water and that's good and I made the land and that's good. And so God goes about in Genesis chapter 1 saying, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then he stops. And for the first time in scripture, he mentions something that's not good. And you've heard me say this before and we talk about it a lot, but he's saying, that's good, that's a good thing, that's a good thing, that's a good thing, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then he says, whoa, that there is not right. That part is not good. And what it is, is in Genesis chapter 2, he says in verse 18, and the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. At this point, Eve was not uh, in the garden with Adam. And so there was Adam and there was creation, but there was no Eve. And so he stops and he says, good, 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 good. And he says, whoa, wait, not good that that person is alone. Not good that Adam doesn't have somebody to connect with and share with and grow with. It's not good that Adam doesn't have somebody to connect that knows what it's like. Because it's important for us to have somebody to know what it's like and to know what we're going through and to connect and to relate. It's not a good thing to feel alone. The first thing God said was not good was to be alone, was loneliness. Something, have you ever had something terrible happen in your life? Uh, just terrible. 
but it wasn't as terrible because you had somebody with you at the time that the terrible thing was happening. Uh, sometimes that can be comical. Uh, you can be at a store and you can just be so frustrated and going uh, through this thing. My wife and I, this week, we had a horror story uh, trying to open a Sam's Club membership card. Um, it was one of those, I was eventually on Google, like telling the Sam's people how to open a card for me. <laughs> they couldn't understand the nonprofit church status, whole thing of it. And so I literally like had all my IRS, like I brought my filing cabinet from here and was like, <laughs> This is every document you, like, here's my daughter, my firstborn, here's everything that you, and, uh, and, and so it was horrible. It was really, really obnoxious, uh, but it was fun because Jess was with me, and we were able to just kind of joke about it and whatever, and so, I mean, you know, you've ever, and, and that's like a comedy side of it. You've gone through something, you're like, I can't believe this is happening, but you have somebody with you, it makes it a little better, but sometimes even trauma. You think, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, had I gone through this without somebody with me, what it would have been like, because the scripture says that two is better than one. You know, it's better that we're together. And, uh, and so there's something terrible that may have happened, but because somebody was with you and you weren't alone, you could handle it. You could bear it better. And that's God's design. That's what we see in Genesis is not that God was like, Hey, a lot of bad stuff are going to happen to people. We better give them someone to go through it with. That wasn't the design, but God understood, Hey, uh, two is better than one. Unity is so much better than loneliness. Amen. Loneliness when I think about all of the pains, uh, you think about anger can sort of be a way of pain and disappointment can be a way of pain, but loneliness has got to be the worst pain because you can be disappointed and turn to somebody. You can be angry and turn to somebody. You can have all of these other feelings, but when you're alone and there's no one to turn to, that's like rock bottom. That's, that's, that's it just, it's, it's different than anything else. I think sometimes the most comforting words you can hear are when somebody says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. Uh, we kind of had a text message uh, take place last night uh, that was a trauma. Someone really battling for their life in the hospital this morning. And, and we just pray God's hand on that this morning. Amen. Um, but you know what we text back? Not all kinds of scripture, not all kinds of like catchphrases, not all kinds of, you know what we said? We're here. Our phone is going to be on all night. We're with you. Somebody say amen, right? And I think a lot of times we, we get all caught up in, in giving them the catchphrase and giving them the theology answer and da-da-da. Sometimes the most comforting words are, I'm not going anywhere. Or have you ever made a call to somebody and, and started with, uh, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to, you, you have no idea, you can't really. And then someone says, no, I've been there. I've been there. Or have you ever had something happen and the reason you called or reached out to a specific person is because they've been there. Oh, I need to call them because they've been through this. Isn't that, can you kind of pick up that that's the cross? Jesus came down, died, suffered among us on earth so that he could be the guy that we call when we're going through something. Are you with me? The God who knows what it's like, maybe? The God who knows what it's like? Or how about this? You reach out to somebody and you just spill your guts and you put it all out there and you just, and you just ah, and then someone just says, I know, I understand those words, there's no revelation in that. There's no wisdom when somebody says, I know, I understand. That's not even an answer. You spill your guts to somebody, ah, oh, all this. And somebody simply just says, I know, I understand. That actually doesn't help the situation at all. That's no coaching, but it's companionship. It's saying, I'm with you. I understand. I mean, you know, those are the best feelings. Um, I thought about it like this. How I many you know, there's songs 
that we just get married to. They'll come on the radio and you'll be in a season in your life and that artist or that performer, they'll say it just right and they'll connect with you at your deepest core and on the inside of you, you're like, yes, they get it. That's what worship was created to be. God is the God of music. Before there was people, there was worship. Before there was people, there was songs and worship unto him, there was angels. God created worship. That's the intent of worship. That's why we come here, which by the way, let me throw in another announcement. Um, You remember old school church uh, where you had the projector and you put the sheet on there and it was clear and it projected on the wall? Does anybody want to sign up to do that for us next week? Because I think we we have two brand new TVs. We have a brand new MacBook Pro upgraded as high as you can upgrade it. And we still failed our song set again. So like, I think we've had more services without the words than we've had the words. So next week... It's going to be the slided sheet, and uh, we're going to take the TVs down, and if we want to do any type of video, it's going to be the flannel graph. We'll just move little people, and because uh, that's reliable, amen? So anyway, uh, so here's where we are. <coughs> we'll get back into the sermon. Uh, no fun in church, sorry. Uh, it's Easter. Let's get proper. I almost tucked my shirt in, so just so you know. Uh, I worked hard to not drink soda and lose a little weight so I could tuck it in, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Swear to God, I went to Panda Express last night, so just I threw it out the window. Uh, anyway, back to, back to the fun stuff. So the artist gets it, is what I was saying. It, it connects at your core. You get it. That's what worship was created to be. We don't want to come in here and just sing songs and just do this thing because it's part of service. No, that's the inside of us. That's us connecting with the creator, the God who knows what it's like. We're saying, yes, you've risen from the grave. You've conquered death and come awake. I need to come awake. This is what... And so that's what we're doing. We're on the inside. We're connecting. We're being companion. We're connecting with each other and everyone. That's what it's like. I think the two most powerful words you could say, uh, in life to each other, or when someone says, me too, me too, I get it, I'm with you. Uh, Again, that doesn't solve anything, but I think two is better than one, is what the scripture says, I'm with you, you're not alone in this. Uh, I thought about this as I was studying this out a few weeks ago, Uh, kind of a funny one. Um, If you grew up with pets, you'll get this. If you didn't grow up with pets, you're going to think I'm crazy, and it's the worst point you've ever heard in church, but that's fine. Uh, I grew up with dogs, always had a dog my whole life, and uh, if I was ever sad or hurt or even disciplined, um, so, so you get disciplined and, uh, and you stomp off to your room, here's what the dogs were the best at. The dogs, right, and you know where I'm going with this, would come and console you, right? Like, so you get hurt and your little puppy comes over and it licks your face and you say, yeah, mom and dad are stupid, aren't they, dog? Yeah, they are. And so your dog is with you. And isn't it so funny that even God's creation, a dog like can do that. Isn't that so funny that like you just have this companion even in a dog because companionship is how God made it. The scripture says in the garden, God's design wasn't to be some angry lightning bolt throwing God on a, no, his companion, the, the point of it all was he created the garden in Genesis. Why? Like the scripture says, so that he could walk with us in the cool of the day. The scripture was that we're in this together. That's going to be heaven. Somebody say amen. And so uh, I even thought about God's perspective of the God of the God who knows what it's like. Uh, my daughter was actually being naughty today, which or not today this week, uh, which never happens. Uh, obviously, she's perfect, just like her, just like her mother. Um, so, 
No, that was a compliment. Why do you guys take it bad? Oh, you know her? You know her? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Um, I know that DJ Eichenberg is freaking out because I have water right there. It's not going to spill, I promise. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, that's what I was going to say about my daughter. So, the God who knows what it's like. He's a God who knows what it's like. Um, my daughter was getting into our mini refrigerator in our office this week. And she knocked a bunch of stuff down. And so it was funny because she's trying to get into the thing, and she's on her own. She's doing her own thing. And when it all falls and she makes the mess, I'm sitting just over here. And it wasn't like it fell and she said, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to pick this up. As soon as like it was falling and the mess was happening, she turns to me and does this uh-oh, you know, does her thing, like, I did this thing. But isn't it interesting that, like, the look to her, even when she raises her hands when uh, something happens or she's going through something or whatever, and she sort of stretches to me, isn't it interesting that in that moment of things going wrong, she knows that I have the answer to the situation. I'm the guy who knows what it's like to fix the situation. I have the experience and the necessary tools to come and enter her situation and make things right. Somebody say amen. So her natural tendency was as things got off kilter, she looked to me of, hey, this is happening. I know that you know what it's like to fix this. Help me. Could it be that the cross and Jesus coming, God coming down, taking on a body, dwelling among us, living in this life, experiencing what we experience was so that he could be the God who understands what it's like to live on earth and deal what we deal with. Somebody say amen. I thought about this. As I was saying earlier, um, they say, like I said earlier, they always say, well, the Christianity is so full of rules and it's no fun and you can't do anything. It's so full of rules. That's such a twisted thought because think of it like this, even in the garden, when God said, hey, there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, whenever you eat from that, you'll surely die. Don't, don't touch that. Don't be a part of that tree. And then the enemy came and tried to get him to see it differently. But here's how that went down. It wasn't like, hey, I'm trying to keep you from that because I don't want you to have good things because I don't want you to have this because I don't want you. It was like this. It would be like if my guy over here, Andy, came to my house. He's going to house sit at the house. And I say, hey, dude, uh, thanks for watching the house. Uh, hang out. Do whatever you want. Have a good time. Uh, the refrigerator's full of a bunch of snacks. Uh, but don't touch that poison. I got a jar of poison in there. It's got the skull and crossbones on, you know, have whatever you want. Just stay away from that because it's going to be bad if you get into that poison. You don't want to be a part of that. Uh, How many of you would say that I was being a restrictive uh, God who is not letting Andy have any fun? No, I would be someone who's protecting and looking out for the best interests of my guy. Somebody say amen. So even the garden, even the setup of, hey, avoid that. It wasn't because it's this God who's trying to hold us down or keep us back. It was this God of protecting and encouraging and uplifting. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 is where I get a lot of this thought about how we have a God who knows what it's like. You can turn there. We're going to put the words on the screen, but if you have a Bible, uh, it's good to take notes and uh, write some of this down. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we have a God who came down from heaven, took on a body, because that's what Jesus is. He's God. 
So we get into all the Trinity stuff, and we don't have time for that today. But God came as son Jesus, took on flesh and blood, and walked among us. I'm going to jump over a scripture. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who was for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the deal. The scriptures are the things I want to point out here. So we looked unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So it was a struggle because he endured it. We all think, oh, Jesus, he was perfect and sinless, and he had this whole perfect life. We all watch it on the History Channel or whatever. He endured the cross. There were some struggles that we can relate to that Jesus went through. And then it says he despised the shame, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and then he ascends unto glory. Jesus had to go through some things. Just like we in life had to deal with the world, uh, you could go through when they put him on trial and all of the accusations and, of course, the crucifixion and the spitting and the torture and the ripping out of his beard, all of those things. But even before the physical torture, there was psychological torture that happened to him. The way that they named his name above the cross and mocked him and called him king of the Jews and picked at all of his authority and all the things that he came to believe, all of those things were emotional torture that he had to go through. He knew what it was like, as we saw in the video, to be rejected and to be the outcast and to be unaccepted and to be lied about all of those things that we deal with in the world, Jesus dealt with. But the scripture says he endured all of those things, and now he's on the throne cheering you on. Somebody say amen. He's the God who came and conquered. He knows what it's like, but he's also now up in heaven cheering you on. Somebody say that's good news. So of all the names of God, when we say Jehovah Jireh, when we say all of the names of God, you could almost add he's the God who knows what it's like to be here on earth and to struggle, but he's seated victoriously, cheering you on with the ability to help you. Amen? Uh, You can never shake your fist at God. I love this thought. In your struggles, in your trials, you can never sit down and shake your fist at God and say, but you don't understand. You don't get it. I have this thing going on, or you don't. Jesus knows, and he died for it, and he didn't have to. It's the crazier thing. So all of those trials, all of those struggles, all of the things that we get overwhelmed with in the world, he had those placed before him. Did they weigh on him? Yes, we'll see that in a minute. He didn't get overwhelmed with them because he defeated them, but he understands them all, but he's up cheering for you and with you. Um, There was this psychiatrist named Laura Stevens, and uh, they found a lot of, um, I guess, progress in the way that she began counseling these people as uh, these people were going through all their struggles and uh, a lot of them were anger issue type people and she couldn't have breakthrough with them uh, just counseling them, trying to rationally work through things uh, in conversation. And so what she would do is she would actually take two people of the same sort of character and uh, they just couldn't break through in terms of conversation. And so she would put them, bring them there at the same time, put them in different places and she would actually go into the rooms and anger them. She kept getting them more mad and more riled up and more riled up and more riled up and, uh, and exaggerating, exaggerating, exaggerating. And so they would get to their boiling points. And then what she would do is she would take both of them at their boiling points and stick them in the same room and let them talk about it. And they would both shout and scream and they would, uh, and so together, better together, they would, uh, and they would go through this thing and they would wrestle it up. And then by the time it was all done, they've counseled themselves through it by just getting alongside each other and sort of screaming it out, could you say that the cross might have been some of that? 
Could you say that Jesus coming and dying on the cross and using words like, God, why have you forsaken me? All of the things that he said here, uh, when, when you look on the cross, he said, I'm thirsty. Uh, why have you forsaken me? He even said, uh, if there's any other way, will you let this cup pass? I don't want to have to go through this. How many of all, we all use this word, God, where are you in this? God, if there's any other way, I don't want to have to walk in this obedience, right? God's called us to something. And God, is there any other way? I don't want to have to walk in this obedience. It's hard to be a father. It's hard to be a husband. It's hard to be these things. God, is there any other way that I can escape out of this? No, you, you keep to it and you trust God. And so God, maybe, maybe we are those people. Jesus coming down and screaming and going through and, and trusting God and trusting, maybe us coming together and connecting with the God who knows what it's like, maybe that actually is something that can help us relate and push through. Somebody say amen. Maybe it's God coming down on the cross and saying, I hear you. I've been there. I know what it's like. I'm with you. You can do it. You can push through this. I love the second part of this scripture, so I'm going to read it all over again. Hebrews 4, 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then when you jump down to verse 16, here's the best part. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. All of it was for what? So that we can come boldly to God in our time of need and there's grace for us. Jesus came, washed away our sins, died on the cross for us, provided a way for us, our sins to be forgiven, that we then can say, God, I'm struggling here. You're the God who knows what it's like. I need grace. I need mercy. I need help. And he responds. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not like you have to figure it out on your own. It's not like you have to get the next self-help book and try to, you know, the world's way and put all the practical steps together. No, all we have to do is go to the throne and say, God, I need some grace in this time of need. I need help. I need wisdom. And, and God always meets us there. If we make the space, if we make the time, God meets us there. Somebody say amen. I'm going to close with this. Uh, DJ, you can come play. I thought about this scripture, which makes it the best. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. This is a really cool thing you can read. Um, probably a good one to write down. Uh, you can turn there, actually, if you want. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, after his passion, and this may be my message version uh, Bible, I'm not sure. Um, I use a lot of translations, but it says, after his passion, which was talking about the cross, after his passion, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. With many infallible proofs. Another translation of it is perfect proofs. After his passion, he showed himself alive with many perfect proofs or signs. So that you could say about the scripture that it's this. After he came and took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us and went through life like we went through life after he did all that, after the passion, that resurrection power was even more on display. Perfect proofs, all these signs and wonders followed the cross. I think in our life, when we get to a place where we say, God, your God, your God of my life, of my family, of my finances, of everything. Everything is submitted unto you. When you're my God, you're the God who knows what it's like. You see things better than me. I'm gonna submit my life to you today. And in every area 
I'm going to come to that throne of grace in my time of need, and you're going to direct me, and you're going to lead me. I think that that same resurrection power of perfect proofs, unfallible, infallible proofs, perfect proofs, unarguable, you could say, signs and wonders, I think that same resurrection power can be on display in our lives. When we say, God, I'm coming to the throne of grace. I need you. I need you to be Lord of my life. I need you to lead me, guide me directly. That same resurrection power that walked in him after the third day can be alive in our lives. Again, in our family, in our finances, in our work, in our jobs, all of those things. It's about accepting the cross. It's about accepting what he did. Amen? Why don't you stand? Our God came down, took on flesh and blood so he could be, and he did a lot of things, but so he could be the God who knows what it's like. So tomorrow for you at work, at home, in family, in marriage, in kids, in coworkers, in parents, all of the things that you struggle with, the good news is it's like Genesis. You're not alone. You're not alone because God is with you and we are with you. You have this fellowship that's with you. And then the other good news is that you can come to the throne of grace. That's what he provided. We have a God who in our time of need is there waiting with grace because of all he endured. We have a God, we have a high priest who knows what it's like, who defeated the grave, who went through all of those things so that you can live the better life. Jesus said that I came to give you life and give it to you better or more abundantly. He wants you to live the better life. He doesn't want you to struggle on Monday, Tuesday. And Sunday is, is where we come together and we give thanks together about what God is doing every day in our life, amen? So why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you just say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I'm that. I'm someone who needs to surrender my life to God. I'm, I'm someone who needs to lay down my life, my agendas, my ways of thinking. I need to submit those to the God who knows what it's like. His ways are higher, the scripture says. He came to give life and give it to us better. And you say, man, I've really been struggling. I've really been, I've been missing it. I haven't been, um, been able to do it my own way. And this morning, you wanna come to that throne of grace. You, you wanna say, God, you're bigger. You see more, you have a better way. What I'm gonna encourage you to do is I'm gonna pray a prayer here in just a minute. And it's called the prayer of salvation. And what that means is you're gonna just ask God for forgiveness and you're gonna choose him to be the Lord and savior of your life. You're gonna to choose today to be a Christian. Maybe a long time ago in your life or even a few years ago or sometime in your past, you've, you've decided to become a Christian, but you need to make a recommitment. Today, you're like, you know what? I need to make a recommitment and stay strong in this. What a better day than Easter. It's Easter, resurrection day. So maybe you resurrect that relationship. You, you, you connect at a new level with him. And so we're not gonna call anybody forward. We're not gonna point anybody out. Everybody's gonna keep their eyes closed and their head bowed. But I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand when I count to three. Um, on the count of three, you'll raise your hand. And then all I'm gonna do is lead you in a prayer. We're actually all gonna pray it together. But I just wanna be able to connect with you when you raise your hand so that I know that I'm praying for you and so that God sees you're making a commitment to choose him as your Lord and savior. And uh, we'll pray, prayer forgiveness, 
And the scripture says, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll be saved and on your way to heaven and uh, sins forgiven. That's a great thing. So with nobody looking around, when I count to three, if you want me to lead you in that prayer, you'll stay right in your seat. No one's gonna embarrass you or anything like that. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in here? Anybody else? See that, see that? Anybody else? See that? If God's like tugging on your heart and you just feel that nudge, I'm telling you, shoot that hand up. We have time. Yeah, don't miss it. Be the best day of your life. Okay, you can put your hands down. That commitment, that, that connection uh, is gonna empower you this week. That, that throne of grace that you just came to, this week, you're gonna just feel that grace. You're gonna feel that God is with you and you'll acknowledge him and you'll just, it'll be your, you'll just know God is with you. He came down, took on flesh and blood to be the God who knows what it's like. So let's do this. Let's all pray this together. If you raised your hand, uh, pray this prayer and just really mean it in your heart. Just, just pray it to God and mean it with all that's in you. Let's all this say, say this. Let's say, God, today I choose you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be a follower of you. Lead me, direct me as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody clap your hands for them. So good. Let's do this. Bow your head and close your eyes again. This week, actually the past couple weeks, uh, this message really connected with me. This idea of the scripture says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I was looking at this word boldly. It's like a charge. See, some of us were like, we've been taught kind of like, well, I'm going to come to the throne of grace. And if God accepts me, then he might help me. No, it said like, come boldly, get here. We have something for you. I want to do this in your life. So for you and for me and for all of us today, I want you to think about that area of your life that may need grace, that may need a little bit of leading from God, a little bit more leading. But we're going to pray again all together. I'm just going to pray over all of us. Um, but that same resurrection power that was perfect in proofs and signs and wonders, that same resurrection power is gonna enter our lives because we're gonna come boldly to that throne knowing that God is waiting to meet us in our time of need is what the scripture says. But I want you to think about what that is. What's that area that, that you need grace or that you, maybe it's your thinking or maybe you're discouraged or anything. We're gonna come boldly to the time and we're gonna find that grace that's gonna get us through. Because it's not gonna be in a self-help book or any kind of blog that you're gonna read or it's gonna be when we come boldly to the throne of grace because God wants us there. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we know that just like your arms were spread wide on the cross in love, those same arms are spread wide now as we come boldly to you seeking grace in life, in future. So God, as we come boldly, the scripture says that we can obtain that grace and mercy. 
Lord, I thank you the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is raising us to new life this morning. We prophesy to dry bones, stand up and leap and live. God, every area, even those that we don't see, as it's spring, as it's Easter, Lord, we prophesy growth and newness and life. What may have been called dead, we call alive today on Easter. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.